And let's now get to some news that could affect your cell phone and or your data plan. As Bell and TELUS, they are making some headlines on this Monday, asking a federal court to block Quebec Corps' purchase of 5G airwaves in Western Canada. For more on this story, here's tech expert Amber Mack, who joins us once again on Global News Radio. Amber, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, explain to us uh, what's going on here and why does this matter that Bell and TELUS, uh, why are they uh, upset that uh, Quebec Corps is trying to purchase 5G in Western Canada? It's a great question, and we really need a few hours to actually properly <laughs> explain this, but I will do my best. Um, first of all, when we talk about the 5G spectrum, uh, the, that is invisible electromagnetic waves. Basically, you use bands of it to send and receive data. Now, when we talk about um, the 3,500 megahertz band auction that just took place uh, June 15th till July 23rd, that, in fact, was for 5G, meaning that uh, telcos, small and large, were able to bid to operate um, at that level. Now, what's really interesting here is you're exactly right. Bell and TELUS have uh, basically asked the federal government to block the 5G spectrum licenses that Videotron bought outside of Quebec and Ontario. So just to simplify that, basically uh, what Bell and Telus are saying is that Videotron does not typically operate outside of that region and does not want them operating out west um, where they did buy those licenses. So you can see really at the end of the day, this is an argument among telcos, both the, the larger ones and the regional ones, to be able to dominate that spectrum. I was going to say, this sounds like it's a battle over or for territory. And how does this or does it affect at all uh, the end user, us, the consumer? Well, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because at the end of the day, it, it does affect us in one way or another. It's hard to say at this point exactly how it's going to come down the line to the end consumer. Uh, but what we do know is that because it is so expensive to be able to buy these 5G spectrum licenses, the reality is that at the end of the day, someone is going to have to pay for that. Now, we've had promises from the federal government for a while that the prices are going to come down when it comes to the end user. But when we see how competitive it is at that level, Jeff, I'm a little bit skeptical. You know, if you look at what happened, um, Bell paid about $2 billion for 21 blocks of spectrum in that auction. Videotron got about uh, 294 blocks for $830 million. We're talking big, big money. So I'm still a little bit concerned about how the end consumer actually uh, benefits from this. Aside from having great access, there is, of course, the cost. All right. Obviously, that's mind-boggling, those uh, figures. It's big, big money at play here, which speaks to 5G and just how important it is, uh, not only to these telecoms, but to talk to us as consumers, if you can, for a second, Amber. For those that don't know, enlighten us about uh, 5G and why it really is the future. It really is the future, and it's not just the future in terms of uh, speeds on our cell phones. You know, that's kind of the obvious thing that people go to, but it is the future if you think about things like connected cars as one example. Now, it doesn't really matter if I get to download a movie on my phone and it's a few seconds versus a minute, but it really does matter when I'm driving on the 401 and I have a connected car and uh, it's using imaging technology to avoid a car beside me, and that's relying on any type of 5G cellular network I want 
that to be instantaneous. So when we talk about things like connected cars or remote surgery, we definitely need to have the infrastructure in place. And that's why it's so competitive from these telcos. All right. Here with Amber Mack, our tech expert. Amber, also wanted to talk to you about Instagram because they're making some headlines on this uh, Monday afternoon. They will require, they have announced, all users to uh, share their birth date. What's behind this? What's going on? Well, basically what they're saying, and they just issued a a press release in Canada about this, is they're saying that it's going to pave the way for potentially new safety features aimed at younger users. Uh, Many people may know this, but you're not supposed to use Instagram until you're at least uh, 13 years old. So what they've done is they've said that, okay, now we're going to require all users to input their actual birthday, uh, and then you'll get notifications if you haven't done it. And eventually, if you actually don't input your birthday, you could potentially not be able to use the app. Now, what they're trying to do is just to avoid uh, having really young people on the platform and shield them and that they assume that those people shouldn't see. All right. Are there privacy concerns here, though? I mean, is it a legitimate question to ask how this information is going to be uh, handled and who might have access to it? You're exactly right. I mean, as someone who has written a book on how to keep people safe online, I will say that my recommendation is that you should never actually put your real birthday into uh, uh, any social network. Uh, You should never necessarily reveal that information because it is very private information. So I'm a little bit surprised that they have decided to do this. I understand the need to protect those younger users. But at the end of the day, I would argue that when we think about Facebook uh, as a whole and Facebook owns Instagram, have many bigger issues that I would like to see them try to solve than this one. I'm not sure that this is the biggest issue that they face right now. Uh, And at the end of the day, it just seems to be leading users down a path where we're teaching them that it's okay to share information that is inherently private. All right. Well, to be continued, but certainly a interesting announcement from Instagram earlier today. Amber, thanks for breaking it down for us. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. There's Amber Mack, tech expert. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.